You're listening to the Point of Difference Podcast. Welcome back to the Point of Difference podcast. Our special guest today is the social editor in the travel section for the third largest newspaper in America, the New York Times. Welcome, Tacey Richter. Thanks for having me. Um, now, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Hayes, for joining us. Um, so what does your job at the New York Times entail? Sure. Um, so that's right. I'm the social editor for the travel section um, of the Times. So it's, I think the job title kind of suggests like a part of the job that I do. Um, So I run like the social media accounts. I run um, the Instagram account, um, which is at New York Times Travel. So you run, you run the whole Instagram by yourself. Yeah, yeah, I do. So I do the Instagram, I do Facebook and Twitter for New York Times travel. Um, So I guess that's like the social kind of part of my job that's in the title. But um, I guess the other part of my job is like finding ways to connect the journalism that our team creates um, with the readers. So social media is like one way to do that. Um, But then there's also other ways. So like I kind of help with our newsletters as well um i help with things like seo so to make sure that um our pieces are you know appearing in google search and things like that so sounds like a lot of marketing is involved as well i guess that's one yeah i guess that's one way that you could look at it um i don't usually think of it that way but i guess you're right like it's you know you're kind of using using marketing skills in a way like to make the journalism like most appealing to your targeted reader and also to get to them in the most useful ways. But I guess one one reason why I don't always think of it purely as marketing is because um, we don't spend any money in doing that. Um, like that would be a separate part of the paper that thinks about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was um, I was reading an article that you wrote quite recently, um, and it actually it gave me the perfect question to ask you. Uh, you asked the question in the article. It was, um, "What does travel journal- journalism look like in a grounded world?" Ah, oh. when did I write that? <laughs> I, I don't know. It was like a week ago or something. I was reading your recent, yeah. Maybe it was one you shared. <laughs> was it? Maybe it wasn't yours. I don't know. <laughs> No, no, I remember, I remember. Um, Yeah, yeah, I wrote about that um, because, uh, yeah, so just like a bit of context, like I joined the travel team Mm -hmm. six months ago um, Mm -hmm. and I guess three months into starting that job, travel had stopped around the world. So I joined the travel section at like maybe the most interesting time in its history when the team had has to grapple with how do we be, how do we cover something that's not happening right now? Mm, um, yeah. So it's yeah, it's been like a fascinating time because we've been forced to like change up formulas and to um, 
really like find new ways to talk about travel that like aren't traditional. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't actually remember. What Are you still running the travel <laughs> section? What's that? Are you still running the travel section? Uh, do you mean like the, the social media accounts? Oh, just like travel in general, because we've got a few newspapers in Australia who has a full-on travel um, sections that like they've stopped for a while. So I'm just wondering if the New York Times are still running it in like a different way. Maybe. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, so the travel section is still still running, um, like mm-hmm. amazingly. Uh, we've kind of found that there's there's a lot of stories still to tell, you know, and they're not yeah. like the stories that we were telling before, like the pandemic started, you know, when before we were writing about, you know, here's how to spend a week in Paris or go like yeah. adventuring in Ecuador or whatever. Now the stories we're telling are more like how the industry is changing, um, like how people who, you know, have lost their jobs or have lost their um, income are being affected. We're talking about like how travel will be different when it comes back. So it's actually like we're not really running out of stories to tell. It's, it's kind of amazing. So Yeah, I guess that was another question just quickly with um, will travel ever be the same again? Like how will it change after the COVID? Well, how do you think crisis? it will change? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. I, I mean, we, uh, some of my colleagues wrote about this um, actually last week. So I'm just going to basically like lift out what they wrote. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think for one thing, like no one really knows anything for certain, but I think there are like, indicators of what will probably change and i think a big one is that people will be very hesitant to um be in like crowded areas and things right now and people will be very hesitant to also like yeah there is this weird change that it seems to be like where you go for a walk and you you sort of like separate yourself almost going on like the road just to avoid the person walking yeah totally like people will totally sidestep you so if you think about like I don't know if you guys have been like traveling in places like Europe or like, you know, in you know, yeah. Paris or Dubrovnik or whatever, where there's like, everyone's like packed in to go see mm. some like cathedral or whatever, like that can't happen. Yeah. Anymore. So yeah. I think where people go will be different. Like people will probably head out to like nature rather than yeah. like a packed city or okay. something. Maybe it'd be good for okay. our carbon footprint. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows though? Like, I think, like, definitely we've seen, like, carbon emissions go down, like, in the last few months, but then maybe everyone will just be jumping on planes again soon. So, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Now, I guess going back on the pieces that you write, do you ever do promotional pieces at all? And if you do, how do you sort of go about um, disclosing that it's a promotion? Do you mean, like, a sponsored piece? Sponsored yeah. piece, yeah. That's a good question. Um, so the New York Times doesn't do that, which yeah. is okay. really, really uh, cool, I, I think. Um, yeah. So one of the you know most important things about like the Times is its credibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it'll never accept, um, uh, I guess, like sponsored articles or things like that. Um, yeah, right. Or... Uh, I, I mean, there's like a section of the times that will sometimes like do a form of that, but it's like incredibly mm. obvious and it, you yeah. probably. Okay. So you let the readers know. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah. It, it's such a small part 
of what the company does. You've probably actually never even seen it. So if you ever do see a sponsored piece on the Times, it will be like blaringly obvious. Mm. So we don't we don't okay. do that. Well, it must be. It must be nice working for a company that sort of has the funding as well to be able to work on it off its own back rather than yeah. accept that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's such a privilege for sure. So how do you sort of go about, you know, finding articles like to write and subject matter? Has, how does, can you tell us a bit about the process of that? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it depends um sometimes it might be like someone you meet who tells you something interesting and you think you know I have more questions about that sometimes like you might pick up on like a news story like in the paper and when you get to the end of the story you realize you have a lot more questions and then you might want to like follow up on that yeah um or I don't know like sometimes you just have like you know, questions about how things work, you know, yeah. like whether it's a certain industry or, um, you know, what that person's job is like and you realise you have the question and then you realise other people might have that question too. Yeah. So, I don't know, I guess it's like sometimes you can just lean into curiosity. Yeah. But That's... I don't know, I think about that all the time. I don't always have the yeah. answer for like how to find it. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a producer or an editor that um, tells you stories or is it mainly all on you to find the stories? Um, well, the truth is I'm not really like writing a lot for the section. Um, so my main job is like running the social accounts and like... Yeah, social media, helping, yeah. It's a big job too. Like, yeah. So yeah. it's not exactly my job, but I, I write like sometimes. So how, how do you guys go about like, I guess, responding to comments and different things? You know, do you, I guess if there's say... You know, where do you draw the line of when you'd respond to, say, criticism or something like that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, like, one thing is you never want to, like, suppress criticism. Yeah, like, delete comments and... Yeah, unless it's, like... I mean, there are sometimes times that you should delete yeah. comments, like, mm. if it's very hateful or, yeah. like, attacking, a, you know, a real person or something like that. Um but I think, like, you know, when you go on Instagram and, like, you can see that people are, like, you know, like, famous people are deleting comments or whatever and it yeah. just looks yeah. bad. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know. I actually think, like, criticism can sometimes be a good thing. Because oh, definitely. Because you can't have, like, a yes, you know, group of just people going, oh, that's good because it doesn't go anywhere. It tells you when, like, you know, like, you have to listen to that stuff because... You can't just like dismiss your audience when they're mad about something and just say yeah. like, oh, like they're all dumb or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes it's like a good opportunity to check yourself and maybe like maybe your tone wasn't right on something. Or, like maybe you're not giving them what they want. So like, yeah, I just try to like read the comments and listen and yeah, um, definitely don't yeah don't get in there and try to argue with people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um. At the moment, the current state of print journalism in, a, in Australia is not looking too flash. Um, what's it looking like in America? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty devastating, like, seeing some of the things yeah. happening in Australia. Like, um, you know, I heard uh, even, like, yesterday, I think, that um, BuzzFeed is, like, closing its newsroom in Australia. Oh, really? Um, and there's, like... And they've evolved quite a bit, haven't they, as well? Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of thinks, like you know, of them as just making like 
listicles and things, but they wrote some really great stories like yeah. um, since they came to Australia. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Australia is like, you know, one of the world's most concentrated media markets. Like it's and it's yeah. shrinking and um, I don't know, like that's, yeah, that's really sad and worrying and it means like people aren't being held to account. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, yes. America has like a lot more diversity of media. Like there's so many newspapers here. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of our local papers, like a lot of the local papers, the country papers, they're all just all going. So it's kind of sad to see. Yeah, but I guess it's like, I don't like have any answers about how to fix it. But I guess it's one of those like terrible yeah. cycles where like newsrooms are shrinking so the quality gets worse and then because yeah. of that people don't want to pay for it. Yeah. And so it just yeah. happens. It's like this horrible like self-fulfilling cycle. Yeah. So what's it like in America? Um, I guess I'm still learning because, like, I only really moved here six months ago. Um, but, yeah. I mean, the Times is, like, real, like an exception. Like, it's a dream to work. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because, like, it has the resources to do mm. all these incredible things. But, I mean, I don't know. I think, like, there are layoffs happening here too. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not, like, easy, but I think there's a lot more choice here. Like, there's so much... Yeah so many newspapers and um well, that's it. like the local media is a lot stronger here than it is in australia they've got so many more people too yeah i guess here's a bit of sort of a left of center one but in your time working as a journalist have you ever sort of come across any questionable you know integrities where like you've had to sort of look at someone and go that's not right to be publishing or something um um what do you mean like like i don't agree with what well like you don't think it's morally right to publish something or you know your newspaper has done something that you haven't necessarily agreed with um i don't know like i can't think of like a specific example like i'm sure there's plenty of things i've read on the times where yeah yeah. like uh or even working for... Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's things I've read on the Times that I disagree yeah. with. Or, or like, like working at Broadsheet or... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like... Uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if I really have a specific example. But mm. I think... Um, I guess you kind of learn over time like the things that you're comfortable with and that, yeah. you know, mm. like learning how to stand up for yourself too. Um Sometimes, like, when you're a young journalist also, like, there's things you'll be asked to do that, um, I don't know, like, that can be difficult. Um, like, sometimes, um, like, sometimes you, you know, if there's, like, an accident or a, tra- a tragedy, sometimes you might be asked to, like, call the families or yeah. call them up on the door, you know, after someone has died. And that can be... Confronting. pretty like difficult and i think it's like a personal choice whether you want to do that or not um yeah. like depending on the situation but yeah i don't know i don't know if i have like a have you ever been like i guess hesitant to publish something yeah probably <laughs> and yeah I, I think like many times i don't know if mm-hmm. i have like a clear example i think you, you sometimes have like um this like i think a big part of being like an editor or a journalist is not just like being good at writing and things like that, but it's mm. like um, 
what you might call like an editorial instinct. There's like that feeling yeah. in your mm. heart of like, okay. I think this is a good idea or I think this is a bad idea or I yeah. think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it exactly. Bored? Why not send us a voice message at anchor.fm or just send us a Facebook message at The Point of Difference Podcast. So I was reading recently that, you were, that you're aiming to build Australia's audience with the New York Times. Uh, how are you going about doing that? Is it through social media or how are you going? Well, that was my, that was my last job. Okay. All right. Okay. Good, right. good ratio. So how did you go about that? <laughs> I'll give you some context. So I, got, <laughs> yeah. um, I got hired to work for the Times um, actually like three years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, this job with the travel section is actually my second job with the Times. Okay. okay. Um, but before that, um, when I was living in Australia, I got hired to work for their first, they launched an Australia bureau for the first oh, time. Oh, Okay. So I got hired to work there and I worked in the Sydney Bureau. Um, and really? Yeah. And so my job then was I was the Australian audience editor. Um, yeah. and my job was to like experiment and like find ways to grow the Australian readership for the Times. Yeah. Um, yeah so that's what I was doing before. And like... That was like a really interesting job because there was like no blueprint for how to do that. Like, yeah, so it was a new thing for the New York Times to do. What's that? It was a new new idea for the New York Times, was it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, um, they have like a big like ambition to grow paid subscriptions like from readers all around the world, yeah. and so yeah. Australia seemed like a good market for that. So it was like a cool job, and I learned a lot, and like yeah. probably failed a lot, and like. It was, it was cool. Is that sort of what sparked you to do the Chewy story that you did? Uh, yeah, that <laughs> one. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't know. Should we explain that to your... Yes. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> that would love, our listeners would love it. I think everyone knows what a Chewy is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that was, a, that was a story I wrote when I was working for the Australia Bureau. Um, <clears throat> I thought someone had to explain, like, what Chewies were to an American audience. <laughs> So I wrote a piece oh, about it, like how cool. all these like American artists were coming to Australia and like the crowds were yelling at them, like demanding <laughs> them to be on stage. Um, and so I wrote about that and that was pretty fun. I still think, still think one of the funniest ones is when Luke Shuey did a Shuey, the AFL player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you've, um, you know, you've moved to New York, I guess, in less than ideal times. Um, I guess to, when you've talked to your family and friends in Australia, how do you think the life in lockdown in New York has been different, or sorry, in Brooklyn, has been different to Australia? Um, I think it's been really different. Um, like, so New York, for I don't think it is right now, but for a while, New York was like the epicenter of yeah. the world. It was like, um, yeah, the worst place to be. And it's still yeah. still quite bad. Um, but I don't know. I think Australia and New York have, like, approached it in different ways. Like, you guys kind of seem to go quite hard on, like, enforcement, um, whereas New York hasn't been so, like, hard on that. Like, we were, we, we were never not allowed to leave the house um, mm. or, like, you know, sit in the park or things like that. But yeah. it hasn't been anything open. So, like... 
all the cafes and restaurants have been shut. So it's like the people are doing it themselves, basically. Well, but then they are, but they're not. Like, yeah. that's one of the problems. Well, it is, it is pretty ironic how Australia's got such a low population density and yet we're sort of the ones, you know, keeping to ourselves at the moment. But I guess in that sense, it maybe is easier for Australians than it is for Americans because you guys obviously have a high population density. Yeah, I think so. Like people are kind of on top of each other here. Like and yeah. it's a lot harder to isolate and things like that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been like a really weird and interesting time to be here and like, you know, like just to move to a city for the first time and then yeah. not really even get to see <laughs> what it's like, you know, in regular life. Yeah, it's like, well, this is just any old apartment. Yeah, but we're in, we're in a good place and, like, um, yeah. our apartment's nice and we've, we've actually got, like, a courtyard, which is... That's awesome. Like, had to get some sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is the question that, I don't know, like, it's a lot of people want to know. I don't know if you know anything about it, but when do you think we, we'll get to travel overseas again? Have you got, like, any inside information or anything? <laughs> Insider. Yeah, um, I don't think I have any insider information, but I have spent a bit of time like thinking about it. Um, yeah. I think like realistically, international travel is going to be like the last thing. So yeah, I think like it'll be like domestic travel first. Um, yeah, and I think, but then it's it's like now I'm just kind of saying like my own opinion, but I think it's really interesting that like there's this kind of. Um, jarring difference between like the laws like you know like Mm. the laws in different places whether they reopen or whether they stay shut or whatever and then our own common sense so i think like even if countries open up and borders open up like there's still like a personal decision to be made of well like is it a good idea like is it safe okay um now i guess finally how has your job changed or evolved through um, this, you know, through Corona? Um, I think like, yeah, I think, I don't know. I've, I think my team has been amazing and like the whole mm. New York Times has been amazing to just like totally pivot um, to mm. like, I don't know, not only like all like sections of the newsroom focusing on writing this one story, which is like mm. all about coronavirus, but yeah. also like doing it from home like the whole newsroom has gone home as of like yeah. two months ago and okay. um some people like at home with like little kids and some people like mm. in like shitty apartments and things like that and i don't know i think it's amazing just how adaptable everyone's been yeah um but i actually forgot your question <laughs> i was just how it's like changed so yeah the that's answered pretty much yeah um I don't know, just, like, trying to, like, yeah, there's no, like, playbook for this stuff because none of us have ever lived through it before. So yeah. I think trying to, like, stay in tune with, like, readers and what they need, um, and you can kind of get a sense of that just by, like, trying to pay attention to what people are talking about on social media or, like, what they're searching for on Google or, like, even, like, what your friends are talking about kind of give you an indication of what people care about right now. So trying to like listen to that and then write stories that help people kind of figure out how to live right now yeah well um yeah thank you so much for joining us on the show sure Um, it was so much fun yeah (laughs) that all made sense um yeah that was really good that was great thanks taze no worries Um, 
Who do you want us to interview next? Comment or message us on Facebook for your requests. You can check out the Point of Difference podcast on all major platforms as well as on Facebook. 